astray and allowed other things to creep into his heart and bother him and uh, he would be all upset and David would come in with that music and begin to strum those harp streams and just calm the spirit of of Saul and uh, grateful for that and just how music ministers to your heart. It's, it's important to everything that we do and so it's, it's, you know, you got to have, there's, there's more than just one thing. You know, when you make a cake, it's not just, uh, just the flour only. You got to add the other ingredients and, and, you know, singing is part of that worship, uh, that makes the ingredients of worship here. So, uh, thank God for that. I want to preach out of Jonah this morning. I want you to take your Bibles and turn it over there. Uh, I was thinking of some things that are just a contradiction of terms, you know. Uh, like a stoplight that never stops. Of course, you need it to keep working and moving, and it's, it's got to be ongoing, but it never stops, and so it's important that way. Um, but one of the most in- contradictive things that you can find in the Bible is a prophet that doesn't want to listen to God's Word. And this blows your mind. Like This guy who was used by God in a powerful way, we'll look at his life in just a moment, but uh, a guy who was used by God in time past all of a sudden gets to a point where he just cuts God's word off and begins to run in the opposite direction and uh, just thinks that he can escape the word of God. And the, uh, here's the other, the judgment of God. And that's the message he's going to call and proclaim to the Ninevites. He's going to tell them he got the wickedness of the Ninevites comes and to the ears of, of God, he recognizes the sin that's going on, and because he cares about the Ninevites, he sends a prophet to warn them of judgment, and yet Jonah is going to be the one who's going to be faced with judgment. How ironic is that? Well, let's look at it this morning. We're going to look at the first seven verses of chapter 1 in the book of Jonah. It says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now you would think that the, the, the place that you ought to go is not from the presence of God, but to the presence of God, but the prophet is going from the presence of God. And he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, and so he paid the fare thereof, and he went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was likened to be broken. And then the mariners were afraid, and they cried unto uh, his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him, and he said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. When they said unto everyone to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil has come upon us. And so they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Now I know this is not particular to Jonah. Uh, Unfortunately, there are times and instances where there are Christians who are on the run from God. And the message for this morning is on the run from God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this morning, the wonderful singing, the sweet atmosphere. Lord, the people to gather together to hear your word. It's, Lord, we stand in need of you and of your word. Lord, I know that we're all prone to wander. 
But I pray that you just help hammer home some truths, Lord. The place that we need to go is not from God, but to God. And Lord, help us. For all those who are on the run, Lord, may we get it solved and resolved in our hearts that we're just going to stick to the Word of God to live it and to obey it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. almost feel like singing that children's song, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And uh, I, love, I love those songs. You know, in the Bible, oftentimes you'll sit in a Sunday school class, and I didn't grow up in church. Uh, it was 25 years of age before I heard the gospel for the first time, but I, I would assume that many children who grew up in church, they would hear the story of Jonah, and the one thing that captures their attention is nothing more than this great fish, and, and everybody's talking about, was it really a whale? And of course, scientific facts behind it says, well, there, it is possible for a whale to swallow a human and still live, and, and it's been proven over and over again. And uh, there's been an instance where a whale has swallowed, I think it was a, an ox or something like that, and, and when they opened up the whale, the, it was still alive in the whale's belly. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. And sometimes they get to, well, maybe the story is about something else. Maybe it's not just about the whale. Maybe it's about something else. And, but for all our telling and retelling of the story, I think that sometimes we miss the greater point. Uh, the greater point is this, is to live obediently. We're looking at a disobedient prophet, a prophet who knows God, knows His grace, knows His mercy, knows His character, knows who He is, knows what God requires, and yet He does the opposite. It's about living obediently to the Word of God. That's what the book of Jonah is all about. It's less to do about Nineveh and more to do about Jonah as God deals in the life of Jonah. The Bible is history, though some deny it. And Jonah is a true story, is backed up by the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He uh, preaches, I believe, over in Matthew chapter 10 or 11, where he begins to tell them that uh, the men of Nineveh shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, a greater than Jonah is here. In other words, a disobedient prophet would go out and preach to a a, a, a pagan people, and they would repent at the preaching of Jonah, and yet a greater than Jonah, the, the, the Son of God, the man who would be the prophet like unto Moses himself, the man who you're supposed to hear, and if not, you know, judgment will come up against you, and this is a generation who knows God, and yet you will not repent. So a greater than Jonah is here. In fact, he gives another sign. He says, you, I give you no sign, but other than Jonah the prophet, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a whale, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. Isn't that interesting? So Jesus backs up the fact that Jonah is not some figment of the imagination. It's a real historical account of the Bible. And to deny the historic account of the Bible is to really go in the face of Jesus who affirmed it. And we've got to be careful about that. Jonah was an old man when he was called to preach to Nineveh. He lived in the northern area of, um, well, he lived in a portion of Galilee. I know it says Gath-Hefer, and you know, sometimes places, the names of the places change, but when they located the place where Jonah lived, it was close by, actually, where Jesus was born and raised. It wasn't about three or four miles away from Nazareth. It's really incredible. And so he's ministering in the northern tribe of Israel amidst a, a, a pagan king and a wicked people during a time of 
great tragedy and uh, really flied in the face of those who said, well, nothing great. The Pharisees who said that, well, there's never been a prophet to arise out of, out of Galilee. No, no good thing can come out of Nazareth, and yet <laughs> Jonah comes out of Nazareth. This beginning is found in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25. Again, Israel's weakened. A wicked king's on the throne. Wickedness is going on in the land. The king of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And God sent Jonah out to preach a message, which was really unbelievable to the people at the time. God was going to give grace to a people that didn't even deserve it. And I'm not talking about the pagan lands. I'm talking about Israel. He, God comes and he tells Jonah, he says, I want you to preach a message to Jeroboam, I think it was, Jeroboam the second, not the first one, the second one. And I want you to tell him that he's going to prevail against the Assyrians and he's going to take back some of the land that was lost during this time. His, his kingdom, in other words, is going to expand. And you can imagine he was a popular preacher during that time. Everybody would have been listening to Jonah. Oh, wow, we're going to get back more land. We're going to prevail against the Assyrians. We're going to do well. God had shown grace and mercy to the nation of Israel. But here's the irony in all of this. Jonah, who had seen and experienced God's grace, it happened exactly as God said that it would. He did expand the kingdom. They did have uh, peace for a time. The irony is this, that Jonah, who experienced and saw the grace of God present in the nation of Israel, who knew and felt the grace of God, wasn't willing to go share it with somebody else. To tell somebody else who, who had the same wickedness going on in their land, yes, it may have been more, okay, uh, granted. You look at the historical accounts and things they did, it was awful. But God's grace was powerful in Israel. And God's grace is just as powerful for Nineveh. You see, God's grace reaches down. It doesn't matter how, how wicked or how less wicked that you are. It doesn't matter. God's grace is still powerful. To, is, is, it abounds beyond all of our sins. That's the point. And the interesting thing is a Hebrew of the Hebrews. As a Hebrew, as a successful prophet, Jonah thought he knew God, but he didn't know God nearly as well as what he thought. Jonah would have come under the condemnation of the Apostle Paul. Romans chapter 2, verse 1, Thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for, that thou, uh, for thou that judgest doest the same things. In other words, He's saying, you know, you're condemning other people, but yet you're doing the same things. You're telling people that they're wrong when you're in the wrong. And Jonah's going to go and he's going to rise up against the, the people of Nineveh and he's going to tell them, arise against this wicked city. Tell them that God's going to overthrow this place in 40 days if they don't get right. And yet, the heart of Jonah was just as wicked. Jonah had difficulty in believing that God's grace could extend even to the vilest of sinners. That was the problem. According to Jonah, if the city of Nineveh was going to be overthrown, they'll let it be overthrown. God, I'm not going. Just go ahead and rain down the fire and brimstone and cast them out of this world and Israel will have peace and we'll all be happy and we won't have to worry about the burdens and the problems any longer. He did not understand God's grace. Jonah didn't have a problem with him receiving grace, but with other people receiving grace. 
We are a lot like Jonah when we come to this text. When we look at others and we say, well, they're not worthy. And I don't want to. And I'm not going. And I'm not going to hear. And I'm not going to turn. I do well to be angry, Jonah says. And it's really interesting what happens in the life of Jonah. Yes, we're a lot like Jonah. There are people who are on the run from God, and yet the true problem is with their own hearts. But thank God for His patience with us. We need to stop running from God. I want us to look at three things this morning about how Jonah ran. He ran from God's perfect will, and that's obvious from the text. God's perfect will was for Jonah to go and preach against the great city of Nineveh, the greatest power of his day, and yet he would resist the perfect will of God in his life. He ran from the perfect will. He ran from God's presence. The place where we ought to go to is to before God and to throw ourselves at the feet of God and plead for His mercy and plead for His grace, run to His presence. He is good. He is God. He is wonderful. Why would we run from Him? And then to flee from God's power. This prophet who when he spoke, it seems like things come to pass, and then all of a sudden when he begins to speak, nothing happens. Why? Because he's on the run. He's powerless as a prophet. Powerless in his office. Powerless to have any testimony before a pagan people. And I want you to realize what you will be facing if you're on the run as well. He ran from God's perfect will. Let us look at it. It says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai. The Bible doesn't tell us how Jonah, how God chose to speak unto Jonah. It doesn't tell us that he spoke to him in a vision or anything like that. It just tells us that God spoke to Jonah. And I'm thankful for the fact that God is still speaking to men today. We ought to have our ears attuned to the Word of God and to listen to what God has to say. What God has to say is more important than what we have to say. You know, there's a lot of people that tell you what you want to hear, and there's a lot of people that are spreading lies and other things like that. The only important thing I tell people when I show up at their door, it doesn't matter what I say, but it has everything in the world to do with what God says. His word's always uh, telling, and His word is always true, and His word's always triumphant. It will come to pass, even as God has spoken. It will, it will perform that which He has spoken it. When God speaks, here it is. We should listen. We should stop what we're doing, open up our ears, open up our minds, and say, uh, as Samuel in the, in the Old Testament, <laughs> speak, Lord, for thy servant hear it. It's vital what Jesus says. The man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. There's nothing more that we need in this world than the word of God. And Jesus says it, and that settles it. Men not moved by his word will now be haunted by his word later. And I believe that even as Jonah ran from his word, it followed him everywhere that he went. And I'm glad this morning that God is still speaking to men through his word. It's an invitation to trust him and, and to follow him and our willingness to uh, put our will in his and say, God, whatever you want, that's what I'm going to do. It gives us direction for our lives. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21 says, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way walk ye in it when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. In other words, God's word always pursues us. Not only am I glad that God is still speaking to men through his word, 
but I'm still equally as glad that God is still inviting us to be a part of his work. And that's why the word of God came to Jonah. He had a work that needed to be done. And he said, Jonah, I want to invite you to be a part of what I'm doing. Jonah, I want you to be a part of showing grace to other people. Jonah, I want you to be a part of, of, of the work and the plans that I have to see transformed lives, to see the work of God done in the land. And who knows what's going to happen? Uh, you know, these people have an opportunity to repent or to receive or to reject it's up to them how they're going to receive the word of God but I want you to do the work that I'm calling you to do Jonah's name means dove it's really interesting you know I name our children uh, dove is not really the name that I want to give them but Jonah's name means dove it's like a messenger and Jonah was to be a messenger from heaven he was going to bring the word it was going to bring revival it's even before he even knew it God wanted to work revival in the land of Nineveh he didn't want to work ruin what Jonah wanted he wanted to bring ruin to the land of Nineveh why because of all their wickedness you know and and, and he didn't he didn't want he didn't understand what God was trying to do God says in the I believe it's the book of Ezekiel he says this that he doesn't desire for any person to perish says, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. In the last verses of the book of Jonah, God raises up a gourd. Gourd is going to bring him shade from the sunshine that's scorching his head. And Jonah pities the gourd as a worm is brought up and he begins to see that gourd wither away. And Jonah begins to pity that gourd. And God looks at Jonah and begins to deal with him. And he says, you know, you have pity on this gourd. But I have pity on these people. There's 120,000 people in this land, 120,000 children who don't even have discernment yet. To know right from wrong. 120,000 little kids that are still growing up. And yes, the people are wicked. And yes, I realize what's going on. 120,000. Jonah, do you do well to be angry when there's 120,000 children who are without direction in their lives? It shows us that God cares about the little children. God cared about the, the, the other things that were going on during this time. Can I say this? We... We need to change our perspective. Because sometimes, like Jonah, Jonah had his perspective on the comforts of life, and God had his perspective on the people and their souls. He doesn't owe us an explanation when he gives us his word. All he's looking for is, is submission. He's inviting us to have this sort of willingness to trust him. Uh, if he gives us his word, he, he wants us to, uh, to follow through with his plan. He doesn't owe us an explanation. He wants us to come to the understanding that God knows best for our lives. He knows what He's doing. All that He's looking for is obedience. So let us look at God's perfect will for just a moment. God's perfect will for Jonah, first and foremost, was a prophet. His perfect word for, will for him was to spread the word of God, to share His grace. And yet for all that, Jonah would turn his back on God's perfect will and do things his own way. 
He threw a whole life, a life that he was spent serving God and proclaiming the word of God and teaching others, instructing them in the word of God, threw all of that away and turned his back on all of that so he can go on the run from the presence of God and from the will of God. Jonah, doest thou well to be angry? God only does, leads us into that which is good, to that which is right, to that which is his perfect will for our lives. He would never lead us wrong. He would never lead us in something that was contrary to, to what he wants. But Jonah rejected God's call. He refused God's word. He turned his back on the prophetic office. He ran uh, from the will of God and how ridiculous that is. And the problem is, the sin got a hold of his heart, and he began to go in the opposite direction before he even uh, knew what he was doing. It was just one decision. God, I don't like what you say. God, I don't like what you're doing. God, I don't like the grace that I know you want to show to these people. And so I want to go in the opposite direction. That's nothing other than sin in his heart. Sin has a problem with the will of God. Sin has a problem with the presence of God. Sin has a problem with being around the people of God. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, you, you see these people that are on the run from God, and you, you see what's going on. You try to give them direction. You try to talk to them, and you try to tell them the world is not the place to, to, to find your, your, your idols, to find a, your, your, what should I say, to, to image your life after. It's a dead-end road to go that way. And you see people that, well, I like this, and this is the way I feel, and this is what I want, and you try to talk to them, and they, they, they don't listen. They would rather keep company with the world than they would with the people of God. And you think to yourself, what happened? Because I realize you used to serve in the church. I realize you used to be involved in the things. You used to love the Word of God. You would get up every morning and do your devotions. And now, look at you. You wouldn't even be able to tell that Jonah was a prophet. It's one thing to go to the Lord in prayer and get things right. We all struggle. We all have emotions. We all struggle. Well, I mean, we all have issues that we're dealing with. God's word comes to us, and we say, "Well, I don't understand. Why? Why would this happen, Lord? Why would you want me to do that, Lord? Why? Why would you have me to go here? Why would you have me, whatever the case may be?" And it's one thing to be open and honest like Job as he comes down to the bottom of the depths of his life and he's struggling with what's happened when he lost his family and he lost his finances and he lost those things that were precious to him. And, and Jonah really is open and honest with God how his struggles were real. Habakkuk, another prophet of, of the Lord, small book in the Bible. And Habakkuk begins to deal with the wickedness in the land and he sees that God's going to do something about it. He's going to raise up the Chaldeans. But yet Habakkuk doesn't run from God. He goes and he says, I'm going to look and answer to see what God has to say. And when he saw what God was doing, he begins to pray for revival in the land. For the Lord, revive thy work. That's what he prays. But Jonah, Jonah is going to learn from the school of hard knocks. He must be willing to trust him, even when we don't understand his ways. People must be told about their condition. It's the only way that anything's going to happen. Yes, they're wicked. Yes, they weren't living the way they ought to. Yes, they weren't living the way that God's plans. 
Yes, it was a hardship on the face of the earth because they made life hard. But they still deserve to be told about their condition, to be told that, hey, the way that you're living is contrary to the will of God. Uh, The way that you're living, you're living in sin, and God will judge sin. God's a holy God, and He's a just God, and, and He'll judge the earth in righteousness, and they must be told about their condition. You're, you're a sinner, and the way that you're going is a way of destruction. They must be told about the judgment. Yes, God will destroy this city. But they also got to be told about God's grace. Jonah's ministry of witnessing wasn't something that you turn on and off like a switch. You know, you, you say, well, I'm not going to do it. Whether you like it or not, if you choose to run from God, you're witnessing either for Christ or against Christ. You could be a witness of of God's power. You could be a witness of God's punishment and His chastisement against His children. Either way, you want to be a witness for God. And God's chastening evidence. I, I don't like being punished in front of others or rebuked in front of others or anything like that. You know where Jonah was rebuked and chastened? In front of a bunch of pagan sailors on a ship to Tarshish. Go and call all your gods. Uh, why is all this happening? Well, I'm, I fear God. You fear God and you're here? The God who made the, the land and the sea, and you're on the run from Him who made everything? How can you run from God? And he was punished severely. Let's just bring this home. Jonah lost the fear of God, and that's what I'm getting at. Jonah lost the fear of God. It's interesting that the pagan sailors that were on the ship, they they feared God. At first, they began to call upon their gods. Their gods weren't working, and then they they saw what was going on with Jonah and his rebellion. And then the Bible tells us in Jonah chapter 1, verse 16, it says, The men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. They were more willing to follow God than Jonah was. You go to the, the, the people of Nineveh and how finally Jonah would turn from his ways and he would, you know, God got his direction. He would go into Nineveh begrudgingly and he would preach and he would see the people return and repent. The Bible tells us that uh, the, the pagan king in Jonah 3, 6, he rose up from his throne, he laid his rope from, from him, and he covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. That was not normal for a pagan king who had all the power, who ruled much of the earth during this time. And yet he responded to God more than the prophet of God. The sailors were more sensitive to God's word. The people of Nineveh were more sensitive to God's word. They feared God more than the man of God feared God. It really shows us what was the problem with Israel when Jesus steps foot on the scene. Because Jonah was a perfect picture of what Israel, how Israel responded to Jesus. We never, never lose the fear of God, or you'll be tempted to think that you can run from Him in His perfect will. And then we see His presence. The Lord said, Arise and go to Nineveh and cry against it. And then we find in the second verse, the prophet rose up to flee unto Tarshish. Well, the third verse, I'm sorry. He rose up to flee to Tarshish. At first, here's the interesting thing God spoke to him through a vision or whatever it was, but he spoke to him and he was able to audibly hear the 
the, the Word of God. I mean, it was clear to him. That's what I mean. But instead of God speaking in a way to get the attention of his prophet, the only way that he could speak to him the second time was through thundering and lightning. That's the only way to get speak to him. Jonah went in the complete opposite direction. Instead of being thankful and setting out to serve God, Jonah decided to run. The person that attempts to flee from the presence of the Lord is one who is, who is foolish to think that they can get away from God. Even David says in Psalm 139, he says this, Whither shall I flee from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into the heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in, in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. When I see the path that Jonah took, see the path that Jonah took. Jonah purposefully separated himself from the presence of God. And here's the thing, you, you, would, expect, you would expect this, you would expect that God would close all the doors and, and slam all the doors shut on Jonah. Jonah, you can't go there. Jonah, stop. People talk about open doors all the time, right? The disobedient prophet could have made the excuse, well, here's an open door. I want to go to Tarsus and look, there's a ship here, uh, here at the seaport, and it's just open for all of us. You know, There just happened to be a ship there for him. There just happened to be room for him. It just happened to be that they were going in the same direction as Jonah was going. The farthest place that he could get from Nineveh, when we decide to disobey God, there's always going to be a boat going to Tarshish. And God gave him, this is the way I see it, God gave him just enough rope to hang himself. It's true. You know, God, God's allowed to allow you to be on a leash and he's going to let that leash run. When evaluating success, you can evaluate it in two ways. You can evaluate it according to the world or according to the word of God. And Jonah made his choice. He chose the way of the world. And each step that Jonah took, he took it on the way down. Now the Lord, again, he could have arranged it. There would be no ships in Joppa, but he did. He could have arranged it. There would be no, no room for him in Joppa on that ship. But he allowed there to be room. It says he paid a fare, and he could have allowed Jonah to have no money and just say, well, I guess I'm stuck here. But he allowed Jonah to have just enough money to get on that ship. And I believe that God wanted to deal with Jonah in, in, in just as much of a private setting as he could there amongst these uh, unsaved men that might have got their, his, his attention. But here's the thing. Through it all, though Jonah was trying to leave the presence of the Lord, the Lord never left Jonah. Isn't that something? God will never leave us. If you're his son, if you're his daughter, he'll never leave you. He's always going to be there. I mean, you may quench the Holy Spirit. You may, you may try to drown out the voice, but God's never going to. He may not answer, but he'll let you run. But the Lord was always with Jonah. It was God's patience that allowed Jonah to run. Thank God for his patience with us. It was God's wisdom that allowed that boat to be there. For Jonah to get on the ship so that God could deal with his rebellious prophet and cause shame in front of this worldly, his worldly counterparts. 
It's his providence of God that he sent the storm. You know, he prepared that storm for Jonah. And it's God's mercy that he prepared a fish, this great fish. If God didn't care, you know what he'd do? He'd just allow us to go on in our sin as we've always done. Live the way we've always lived. And just say, I've had enough. He would allow us to go on in our sin and not bother with us. Jonah just followed the Lord. Had Jonah just followed the Lord's command, he would have picked a, picked up the tab, and he would have taken care of Jonah. Would have made it uh, so that uh, Jonah would have been all right. But because he did it his own way, Jonah would have to pay his own fare of emotional difficulty that he would be faced with, the psychological difficulty, and the physical and spiritual difficulty as well. There's a price to pay to be a prodigal prophet. For every person on the run from God's presence, the direction is always going to be down. Every person running from God's presence, the price is always going to be great. For every person running from God's presence, the circumstances are always going to be stormy. It's not going to be easy. The way of the transgressor is hard, the Bible says. And every person running from the presence of God, here it is, the excuses are all going to be many. It's always going to be excuses. Always going to be excuses. J. Wilbur Chapman, the greatest evangelist, he, he wrote this. He said, God said to Jonah, go to Nineveh, and yet with a spirit of rebellion, he attempted to sail to Tarshish, and we know his miserable failure. Let it, never, let it never be forgotten that if Nineveh is God's choice for you, you can make no other port in safety. The sea will be against you, the wind will be against you, and it's hard indeed to struggle against God. And it's so true. So true. One sin makes it easier for the next sin. One drink makes it easier for the next drink. One immorality makes it easier for the next immorality. One plan to backslide to make it easier for the next step and the next step and the next step and the next step until you're in the position of Jonah. He ran from God's power. Jonah thought he could manage his own life better than God. Isn't that something? I sit here and I try to talk to young people. You try to tell them, uh, so you, need, you need to know God's will for your life. You, you really just need to get some time alone with God and listen to His Word and what God's trying to speak to your, your heart and into your life. God wants, God wants to walk with you. And He wants you to know Him. And He wants you to realize His power. I mean, he really wants to have fellowship with you. He really does. And you try to talk to him, and they, they've already got it all figured out. Well, this is what I want to do. I want to go to work for such and such a place. I want to buy such and such a vehicle. I want to do it this way. And, and they've got their whole life planned out. And you say, wait, wait, wait a minute. What, what about God's plan for you? Uh, and then, then they change the story. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, God, God, yeah, God wants me to do that. <laughs> sure. Tell me that one again. Jonah thought he could figure out his own life better than God. The Bible tells us, so the shipmaster came to Jonah in verse 6, and he said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper, arise? Call upon thy God, and so be that God will think upon us, that we perish not. And they said, Everyone to his fellow, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. God exposed him. God, uh, Jonah, 
you can't, you're not going to run from me. You've been found out. He pointed out his rebellious prophet in front of all these people. He had no power to hide. God knows what you're doing. The Bible tells us this. Be sure your sins will find you out. The consequences of his backsliding were tragic. He lost God's voice. For now, God had to speak to him in thunder and lightning. He lost God's, he lost his spiritual energy. He fell asleep at the bottom of the hold of the ship. He lost his power in prayer. The people, the pagan people were praying more than Jonah. I'll, I'll find it so, so, so amazing. You, you find people who are more faithful to their gods than we are to our God. I, I watch these people, you know, the, the people who are Muslims, and they'll go out and they'll pray toward Mecca three times a day. And they'll get down on their face. They'll make the pilgrimages. They'll do this. They'll do that. And it's, it's constant work that they got to keep up with. Uh, you, you look at... Uh, uh, Catholics and all this kind of thing, they, they are faithful to their prayers. They'll go through the rosary beads and all this. And they're faithful when they're praying. You look at the Mormons, and they're doing their thing. You know, you find people, they're, they're, they're very faithful to these things, and yet Jonah, Jonah, the man who should have been a per- person of prayer, he's not praying at all. He has to be told, pray to your God. He lost his testimony with the men on the ship. Lost his influence for good because, well, listen, why would they listen to him? He's, he's the cause for the storm. The prophet had no power, but God was very patient with the prophet, long-suffering with him. Before Jonah could preach revival, revival would have to come to Jonah. And everything in creation except for man, it seems like, is obedient to the will of God. The weather patterns, the, the storms, the sea, the, the land, everything that we find here in the book of Jonah, God commanded the storm. God commanded the fish. God commanded the gourd. God commanded the worm. Everything is listening to the command of God, but He doesn't treat, He doesn't, He allows us to make our own choices in life. I, I still, to this day, don't understand that. That He would allow man to rebel against Him and still put up with us. That is crazy to me, but I'm so glad that he does. Everything is doing his bidding, but man. In the book of Jonah, you see, again, you see the winds and the waves, the fish. You see everything obeying, but the prophet who wanted his own way. Disobedience to God's will is a tragedy. Before John Newton, he became a preacher. Just looking and reading through his life story is an interesting detail about how he had a praying mother and how he just ran, ran, and just keep running. He was probably one of the wickedest people that you could have met during the day, involved in all the slave trading and everything else, and he was just so far gone, it seemed like. He wanted to do things his own way, and things began to get hard in his life. And he's almost lost his life on several different occasions. His wickedness was obvious that when a ship, the Greyhound, that was caught in a terrible storm, the captain seriously suggested throwing uh, John Newton overboard, just like they did with Jonah. Isn't that interesting? And during the nine terrifying hours of the storm, everyone, including Newton, was praying. John Newton said this, I concluded my sins were too great to be forgiven. I waited with fear and impatience to receive my doom. Newton was afraid. 
But yet it was God's grace that taught his heart to fear. It brought him safely to his, and he changed his whole life. He was brought to his knees, his life changed. He enlisted into a seminary, began to be a preacher for, uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ and wrote several songs of whom amazing grace is one. The Lord, he allowed the Lord to change his life and he became a trophy of God's grace. Let us stop running from God. Let us know God's perfect will for our lives. Hear the word of God coming in sweetness. To enjoy the presence of God is to enjoy joy, love, life. I, I don't know how else you describe it. We see God do incredible things in our congregation. I mean, it's just incredible to have Miss Jeanette here. I, I see testimonies everywhere that I look. And I think to myself, how, how could we run from God? I need His power in my life. I need His will in my life. I need His presence. I sure do. Lord, let us pray as we come to the conclusion. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for this time together. Lord, this message really hits home. I, I, I think of those who, though they made a decision at one time, or maybe they've, God have called them to do something at one time, they've been on the run, and God has dealt very seriously. Well, this, these people, this person. Let us heed the call and turn back to God and see that power fresh and anew. And we might be a testimony of God's grace. Lord, people need to know their condition. Lord, let us tell them. They need to know your judgment against sin. And we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ for our sin. Or we can stand at the judgment seat of Christ knowing that the Savior has paid the ultimate price for our sin. And it's by trusting Him in faith and faith alone. Lord, help us to have this power upon our lives to walk in the presence of God once again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Lord, deal with Your servants in Jesus' name.